Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Smart Muslimer Podcast. Inshallah, if you find this podcast episode useful, please subscribe and tell your friends and family about Smart Muslimer. Also, good news, I have a newsletter and that's how we can stay in touch. To subscribe, please go to smartmuslimmer.com. Details are also in the podcast notes. In the newsletter, I'll be sharing my book recommendations, productivity tips and online courses that I've created and also information about a new book that I'm writing called Smart Single Muslimer. Inshallah, it will help you to transform the way you approach love and relationships. Muslim teenagers face many challenges. A myth is peddled that following Islam makes life difficult, and they'll be happier if they were less religious. Let's face it, sometimes being a practicing Muslim can seem like mission impossible. Sin is exciting, and Islam is so boring. But rather than reject religion, I want to offer a new point of view. In my book, Smart Teenage Muslimer, I invite girls to look at the ideas and behaviours that wider society expects them to embrace and decide whether they are good for their mental health and well-being. Concepts such as self-obsession, rampant consumerism and feminism. Also, what tools exist in the Quran and Sunnah to help you dream big and be a confident Muslimer? In this thought-provoking guide, you will discover guidance from our sacred texts to achieve peace of mind, understand the purpose of your life, learn what Islam has to say about puberty and sex, and get the facts about LGBTQIA+, and gender identity. So, if you're a smart teenage Muslimer whose goal is to succeed in this life and attain Jannah in the next, this book is for you. Inshallah, to find out more, visit www.smartmuslima.com The book is now available to buy on Amazon and Google Playbooks. Assalamu alaikum, Helwa, and welcome to a Muslim on podcast. Alaikum assalam. Thank you so much for having me on. Alhamdulillah, I'm so happy that you, you've been able to take, you know, make the time to, to come on because um, I really enjoyed reading the book and um, we've been reading it as part of the Thinking Muslim book club and mashallah, um, when we had our Zoom meeting to discuss it and even just the general um, comments and feedback I've had about your book, it's, it's uh, alhamdulillah, it's a really positive um, optimistic book. So, um, for, for any of my listeners who haven't heard of the book, it's called Secrets of Divine Love. Inshallah, could you please give a summary of what, what the book's about? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so in my idea, the book is about experiencing the different elements of what it is to be Muslim through the eyes of divine love. 
So it kind of takes you starting with a law and then kind of dives into who the human being is as, as the creator describes us to be and goes through the pillars and then, and then the chapters on death and heaven and hell. So I sort of wanted to begin with the origin, which is Allah, and then the end, which is returning back to him. Um, and so for a lot of people, the way they've described it is it's kind of a journey into themselves um, with things that they're familiar with, um, but maybe framed in slightly different way. So a lot of times um, when I share the book with people like you who are definitely have read many, many books on Islam, my prayer is always that I pray that Allah shows you something new and what feels familiar. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so um, that's what I would say, uh, I guess. Okay, alhamdulillah. Yeah, that actually, that's, that, that, that's what you have. You've said that it's, there are things, yeah, there's things that I've, I've read before and, and I think, you know, when you think five pillars that the, the book covers those things, but it is from um, a very, um, I don't know, a very unique perspective or very, it's definitely different. And um, it's how, how would you like, so why did you decide to write this book? Um, I don't think that I did decide to write it. Um, actually, what had happened was I'd started the Instagram page I run, Quran Quotes Daily, and like, I think it was 2013. And a couple years into it, people started to ask me a lot of questions. So I started to try my best to read books and answer them. And in that process, I started amassing a lot of notes. And I didn't know really what to do with it. And so I sort of put it in the corner and my mind uh, had me start a project where I make um, 365 verses of the Quran into hand-lettered typography with designers from around the world, from every faith and culture. So as I was amassing, like, I think we have about 55 designers on that project. Oh. I was doing that for about a year. Um, actually, that's the book I was working on. And in the meantime, everybody said, like, well, what does this verse mean that you're doing this design on? Or, or could you tell me more about that verse? Or what's the context with this one? And I try to say, oh, people are kind of interested in knowing obviously the meanings behind um, the verses of the Quran. And so I actually started with doing one page reflections on each of the verses. Mm -hmm. And then I realized the book would be 800 pages. Oh, that's so long. <laughs> I, right. So I was like, hmm, that's going to be a problem. And I didn't want to create like an encyclopedia sized book. Um, but yeah, so I started to sort of put my notes aside and then, um, I was taking a, a few classes and my teachers told me like, Hey, move forward. And, and why don't you just like keep writing about these topics and kind of two and a half years later, it became a book, but oh, I, um, I didn't have the intention actually, um, until I just felt guided. It almost felt like, um, yeah, it felt like I, I, I was trying to cross a river. And once I put my foot in, the current just took me a different direction. And I sort of said, okay, I'll let, let's see what Allah makes with this. And it actually became this book. Did you find it um, hard to, um, like deciding what you were going to keep and what you were going to take out? Was that quite difficult? Yeah, actually, uh, when I was working with an editor, um, there's some popular publishing houses here like, Hay House and Penguin, and I think they also have arms in like um, the UK. Uh, they were saying, you know, your book's too long. It's actually 40,000 words too long. Um, mm. So if you want a traditional publisher, you have to cut it to 160 pages. Okay. And mm. it being 385, uh, I was like, it would take a significant amount of the book away. And so I had to sit with that because I was told that it would be easy to go a traditional publishing route um, because of the following more than anything, um, which was actually kind of made me sad because it just made me feel like that um, that, that level of, uh, unless you have this social media um, presence that, that your words don't matter. And I feel like that's definitely not true or that your words matter more, which mm. I think is definitely not true as well. Um, so anyways, they were telling me, you know, and so I started to look through the chapters and, um, I, I, the chapter in Tauba, I thought, okay, well, if I take this out, 
um, what does it do to the book? Which is very, um, it was a very telling moment for me because I uh, was confronted with the idea of taking out the path of return to Allah. Mm. And I knew at that moment that it didn't matter if, if a publisher ever looked at the book. It didn't matter if anyone actually ever even read the book because the outcomes belong to Allah. And so the only thing I can do is if I feel right about the message, if it feels in alignment with what I know of the Quran, which is not perfect, but it's like as best as I know. And if it's in alignment with the words of my prophet, peace be upon him and his family and his like righteous companions, then, then it doesn't matter if a publishing house takes it. And if it means it's a whole new path of, I don't know how to self-publish and all these things. I don't know. I just trust that the message will get to who it's meant to be. So that's why I made the decision of keeping the book at its length, even though it's, it's around, I think, almost 400 pages and, and the shipping ends up being more expensive and all the distributors are like annoyed by the, the weight. But at the end of the day, I feel like that's what Allah asked of me. And, and it's okay if it's like held back because of that. Yeah, I am. Helva, I'm so happy you kept that um, Tawbah chapter in because I loved that chapter. It was, uh, yeah, and I, good for you for sticking to your guns because you're right, you can either, um, yeah, you can be a slave to popularity and, you know, they, they've got a certain model. So publishers have a certain model of what what they think will sell and, um, and you know, in a model, but you didn't, you didn't, and it's good you didn't because I think, every um you know each chapter has i think it, it's it's all like a puzzle fitting together that's why i found it that one part one chapter then um it's like a, it's like a glove and a you know hand it fits so nicely uh, and it made and it flowed alhamdulillah it flowed really well and um because i think that, like the, the appeal of this book is that it would you don't have to be quote unquote islamic or practicing you know like so um about islam to read it it's it's very what's the word um uh, accessible and i think that's nowadays I, i'm not generalizing about islamic books but i wonder how many people who don't define themselves as practicing um they they actually will pick this book up off the shelf um have you have you found that actually yes um i've gotten a good amount of messages from people who are not muslim Mm. Um, who said that uh, just like reading the book either confronted the way that they had been living um, or it kind of opened their eyes to prayer in a new way in their own faith. Uh, one of the, um, so I had about 11 or 12 readers of the book before it came out. Some of them actually followers of the page because I wanted to make sure that people understood the languaging and that it was, like you said, accessible. And actually one of those readers was a Bible study major at a Christian uh, university in California. And um, I had asked her if she could read it and let me know if she found anything offensive um, oh. in the book that she felt was directly, you know, and in some way that um, maybe I didn't know that I said something that was hurtful because I didn't know fully her theology or, um, and so I kind of came to her in this like humble state, like, you know, I don't know your religion that well, but I want to make sure. And um, so she agreed to read it. And it was really amazing. One of the most remarkable experience of my life was reading her notes uh, mm -hmm. alongside the bar of the book. And she would quote verses from the Bible or something that St. Francis said. And, and it would be very similar to something, you know, um, a companion said many years later, Imam Ali said, you know, it was so, it was such a beautiful experience. And then, um, so then she started for five weeks praying five times a day, um, portions of the Bible that she had memorized. So she would come to Islamic prayers and, and she would sit there while we did prayers and she would engage in her own prayers five times a day because she just found that very convincing that argument for being with, with God in a very consistent way. And to the judgment of her friends, like, are you becoming Muslim? You know, cause she's at a Christian university and, and she's like, 
no, but I'm really appreciating this beautiful element of, of their faith. And I, in that moment, I really realized that, um, that I wanted that, the book to be something for anyone, regardless of their faith, that, that they could come and experience something from the well of Islam and not feel like obligated for something or a particular direction. Um, because for me, that's how I experience Islam in a loving way is my teachers just came and they said, whether you pray or not or, or do all the practices or not, why can't you just have a relationship with God first? And I love that that's how the path began, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's a long-winded response. Yeah, no, that that's, I, when I read this, I, I thought this is the type of book, if someone said to me they're interested in Islam or, or you know, uh, this is a book I would give them because I'll be honest, there aren't many. I, I actually know, I remember giving one, giving my daughter's teacher, primary school teacher a book and then uh, she never liked me again <laughs> and I, so I never gave her because I, I don't know I got the wrong vibe from her I thought she was interested but she wasn't um, but mm. this book I can't you, you're right I can't imagine someone getting offended by being given this book to, to borrow and to read just to say look if, you, if you've got questions here you go why don't you have a read of this so alhamdulillah I think mashallah you did manage to you've got the tone right and um and much of the language, like, um, you're really poetic. Has anyone ever said that to you? Do you write poetry <laughs> in your you. spare time? Actually, I, when people ask me, like, oh, do you consider yourself a writer? I've almost never said yes. Um, mm -hmm. Poetry is like my, spoken word particularly, is like my heart's heart space. Ah. Um, so I, like, that's something I've been doing for, like, ever. Um, I love poetry because I find that it's like putting an idea into such a small space and having you think about it for such a long time. And when you sort of, and I feel that this is similar with some of the hadiths of the prophet, peace be upon him. It's, it's so few words, but you could just like meditate on that forever. Um, and I think actually, I know that the Quran isn't isn't a poetic like it's not poetry mm -hmm. um, but I think it has that element where it's so few words like like God was very selective he, he never needed to put an extra word in there mm -hmm. and so it, the Quran is I think it's about five times smaller than the Bible it's, it's quite oh. a small book actually um, in comparison to other books and yet it's it's so um, it's kind of like they say that before the Big Bang that one theory of how the universe was created like everything in time and space was compacted to the size of a pea like a tiny tiny thing and then it sort of blew out in existence and i think of the quran in that similar way like allah said quran it's such a small word and yet bam all of existence and so i sort of have this inclination towards these packed ideas um but yeah, so it was very, actually, it was very difficult to expand. Um, so sometimes I would write like three paragraphs that were all rhyming. And then oh. I, my friends were like, you can't do that. That's not, that's not standard writing. And so I struggled a lot with like, okay, I have to remove these rhymes because that's just how my brain sort of thinks. Um, but yeah, so. Oh, alhamdulillah. Yeah, I, I knew you were a poet when I was reading this. Um, because I'm, I used to teach uh, English high, um, I was an English high school teacher, and um, oh. yeah, and I was thinking, yeah, this is this is good stuff. Um, and um, so, so with um, actually, you, that that brings me to you. You must have read, read a lot of books because um, you know, as far as the sources of wisdom for this book, that there's a lot of different types of people that you're quoting. How did you, um, again, this is, um, uh, like, how did you, how did you decide that, yeah, I'm going to choose these people to, um, to include? So naturally there's, you know, there's eyes of Quran and there's the Hadith of the Prophet, وسلم, but how about the, you know, how did you kind of reduce your list? Because you probably had quite a long list of people you'd like to quote in the book. I would say that kind of similar to the book, and how it came about, I don't think I really chose the people. 
And the reason I'm saying that is um, I was actually recently talking to a woman and she was saying, you know, I'm writing. Do you have any um, recommendation or advice? And I told her, just keep writing and writing. And if it's bad, just keep writing and then live life and like wait for God to fill in the spaces. Because one of the mistakes I made um, in my process of writing was I was trying to make every, every sentence perfect right off the bat. Um, which threw me into a state out of humility because I was so self-managing the book. Like, I, oh, I want to write this line in. What about this line? In? That doesn't sound that good. And so I was like stressed out and set in self-management. Hmm. And then with the help of one of my friends, she really helped me like guide myself back to Allah and was like, just be with God and let him fill in the spaces. And the way that I would explain that is show up keep writing and then live life that's like the simple way because what would happen was i would be writing about prayer for example and then i would be living my life and i and then i would watch you know like a bird or an animal it would do something that looked like prayer to me and then it would sort of shift my perspective a little bit about what prayer could be or where it, what it may be and then all in that same period i would pick up a book and there would be, you know, someone talking about prayer in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. um, an example of that is I, I knew that the postures of prayer had significance, but I couldn't, in hundreds of books, I couldn't find somebody describing them. And I was like really struggling. I knew it needed that. The book needed that section in, in the Salat, but I couldn't find it. And so then I sort of just like gave up the search. And um, actually a professor in um, MSU in Michigan, uh, who I gave the book to ask theological questions from because I didn't want there to be any mistakes in the book. Mm -hmm. He was like, I read your prayer section. You know, I feel like you need to read this one book. You know, you need, there's this one book that you need to read that would bring it together. And long and behold, in that book was the sections of prayer exactly mm -hmm. in the way that I wanted them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I would say that all the, um, the little pieces and the quotes, same way somebody would give me a book or say, I read this beautiful quote from Imam Ghazali. Like, I thought you would like it. It was like the perfect mm -hmm. thing, you know? Yeah, I know. This may just show the, um, you know, we, I, I think people are still reading. I think people, we, oh, it's over exaggerated that people aren't reading anymore because everyone's on their phones um but it does once you do i know sometimes um because we're busy we find it hard to make time i think it's making the time to read but once you do that you really you then it's it's so addictive you actually can't stop and i miss if i don't read now i miss it and i think like rather than go like i'm reading for some i'm reading um uh, the Sword of Allah, uh, The Life of Khalid bin Walid. It's by Lieutenant A.I. Akram. And I'm I'm not kidding. That is better than any Hollywood movie that uh, wow. I could be watching. In It's just so, it's like I'm bashing myself so I don't finish it too quickly. <laughs> but each chapter and each battle, it's it's just so amazing the characters and the plot and like you couldn't you couldn't make it up frankly you know you're like I can't believe this really happened, um, but then it's yeah so just like it just reading just enriches your life and like um, it's I yeah so I I so I can tell that you probably read so much to produce this book a lot of reading was done you know it um and alhamdulillah and it shows um and it's so nice to actually i wouldn't have like i wouldn't have um i haven't come across you know buddhist sayings or certain I'm, i can't i'm trying to think like rumi in particular like i've you know i those quotes were really nice to to read and think about um and um yeah and it, alhamdulillah that that really like that all being you know kind of dotted in the book was was lovely um there's um there's in the in the on the blurb at the back of the book, it says um, this book will help you overcome your negative inner critique, and um, that really struck me because uh, and that, so so what I wanted to ask yourself was what did you mean by that that what is it what is this negative inner critique that Muslims 
or and even anyone has really that you feel the book will help them with so um yeah the inner critique i so being on going back to instagram briefly being on it for about seven years and having people send me thousands of messages i mean sometimes people will, will send a message with like five paragraphs of something they're going through and usually it comes down to a voice in their head um making them feel a certain way and then them responding to it in self-management instead of taking it to a law so I, I the way that i sort of understand it is from the beginning of time you know there came the shaitan whispered something to adam right and then they make this decision and it brings them down to the earth and so ever since then allah is like now you two are enemies right like there is this conflict inside that shows up and i'm not just saying just the shaitan right because the shaitan spoke to the nafs in adam he spoke he didn't speak to the spirit he spoke to the ego in adam and so the access point to the human being is that ego so then you have the shaitan and the ego i believe as these voices and um i like when i say this sometimes people kind of go i'm not schizophrenic you know like <laughs> that's what i mean like it, not in a sort of mentally ill way i mean that it's this very perceptible if you sort of listen voice that for most people says things like you know you're not good enough and you'll never do that and you're always going to be this person who misses fajr or you're always going to be this person who um struggles with um doing like halal or haram things like you're always going to be this person like there are these voices that sort of attack us but we're not really take them as these enemies because we just think it's us mm -hmm. and so i uh one of the amazing wonderful teachings that some of my teachers have given me is this idea to sort of distinguish between the voices of the shaitan and then the voices of the ego um and then to be able to take that voice and turn it back to allah um so one of the things that i've always been told is don't fight the darkness halwa turn on the light don't fight which means don't struggle don't make your first option struggling make your first option going to allah and then strive hmm. always in that pattern and so that critiquing voice i felt that as we sort of understand how loving allah is as we sort of sit in his mercy and his compassion in his um kindness then we might be inclined to turn to him with anything we're going through and then that sort of forces the the voice to dissolve because as they say when the light comes there's no room for darkness mhm mm mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's why and and as she's speaking of ego you've purposely chosen not to um publicize yourself to publicize your book um and that's quite interesting because normally um that's what authors do authors will and i'm not criticizing for doing this but that seems to be the method but you've chosen to to take a step back and not do that what why have you chosen to do that sure yeah that's definitely a question i get um for me from the very beginning on instagram i wanted to be anonymous um because i i sort of had felt that there's this inclination and in people wanting to know the person more than the message and i felt like you know the, the name i chose was cron quote staley it had nothing in of me in it and when the feature actually the the real turning point for me was when the feature on instagram came for live and that was really the first time people ended up hearing my voice or anybody else's voice it was very interesting to see how people suddenly wanted to know everything about me because mm -hmm. they heard my voice and maybe they felt inclined or they realized I wasn't a man because the 99% assumption is that I'm a brother so I always get salam alaikum brother like the assumption is that it's not a woman running the page which is fine like I understand that that's sort of a um there's like sexism in the culture etc but so like to hear i guess my voice which is been told it's kind of like a neutral sounding voice 
then people started saying, you know, show me your face. Like, where are you from? And they wanted to know all the details of my life, which I felt would take away from the message that I was trying to put forth, um, that felt guided to put forth. And so I feel like, and I've told myself this before, like as long as um, being anonymous puts the attention on the message and Allah, the Quran, the teachings, like that's where I'm going to be. But the moment the being anonymous prevents the message from going forward, like I don't know what scenario that would be, then I would come out of my cave and be as I am to keep the message going forward. But that's sort of like how I've conceptualized it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you, you know, there's the um, so so I I understand what you're saying about the the voices that we hear and that they are from. Um, I think we sometimes when we really listen carefully, it is literally like <laughs> Shaitan is whispering to you because you think that well, I wasn't even thinking that, and where did that idea come from? Um, and I think what's now kind of even it's that that's even more cemented is in in the kind of consumer culture that we're all you know muslim non-muslim people of all faiths where it's like we're being um engulfed by this consumer culture that it's diverting our attention that whenever we do have a problem or when um it's it's telling us that um what you need to do is you need to either consume goods or consume entertainment and, and that's how you, you know, if you're feeling sad or you've got a problem, that will help you, that will make you feel better. And, and the thing is that um, I think for many of us, and, and it's very hard to drown out that noise because, on t you know, so it's encouraging us to be materialistic. And the thing is that for many, your Alhamdulillah, your book is saying the opposite. Like you just said, it's saying, turn to Allah, turn to um, the sacred text to gain um you know gain a solution gain fulfillment and so how would you um was that something that you like did you have to come go through that journey yourself to realize that or was that through you know go, like you mentioned teachers that you had how, how did you come to that realization Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, that's a wonderful question. Um, I would say for me, I realized that, you know, growing up in California, I went to private schools my whole life. I kind of definitely, I'd say, grew up in a very abundant, blessed situation. And then to see that that didn't give me the contentment I seek was actually a wonderful blessing because it just showed me that everything people are fighting for, everything that people are reaching for, it, it's not gonna give them the contentment they think it will. And so from a very young age, I sort of saw people who were, you know, Beverly Hills isn't too far from here, but also Skid Row, which is one of the poorest places in, um, in the United States is also not far. They're eight miles away from each other, mm. which is incredible to see this abundance and this sort of poverty right next to each other and and then to see the people in both spaces you know are struggling that it has nothing to do with money and so seeing that sort of showed me that consumerism isn't going to fill the empty space inside or they say like god-shaped hole right like obviously god mm. isn't physical but this idea that we are empty and we're either going to be filled with something that is 
um, going to serve us, Allah, or something that's going to like decay over time inside of us. And so I think it's really interesting because, you know, whenever you get a wound and you go to the doctor and when they deal with your wound, they're like wearing gloves and very specific what they put in it because it's open and it's so it like scary. Like they're like, we can't like not get it infected, but we're walking around empty, filling ourselves with everything without any sort of consideration to what that, you know, what those words are going to do to the heart or what that visual is going to do to the spirit or we sort of, cause we don't see a direct effect. So we're like, oh, must not be bad then. You know, like there's this idea that, oh, well, God didn't punish me, so I must be fine. You know, like there's this kind of, we're waiting for this direct reciprocation. And I've seen that in so many messages from people, you know, that they, they're basically asking me if they can do that thing they know they can. Because they're hoping that I will give them permission, like as if I have that power, right? But they sort of see, hey, you know, you're very loving and compassionate. Like, so can I do this thing that I know I can't, <laughs> you know? And I always think it's funny because it's like, it's, it's, a, um, it's kind of seeing like, oh, my parents are bad cop. Can you be good cop? You know? <laughs> like, and, they, and I feel like I understand that. Like I've been young. I grew up my entire life in America. So I kind of understand that inclination to be filled, that instant gratification. But I also see like over time, it creates this like arthritis that slowly creeps up on you, you know, um, and in the heart. And so, yeah, for me, like a lot of my teachers really, really like, I mean, some of the retreats we would do, like, like some teachers, you would go and stay with them and, and they'd say, okay, so you're going to do 75,000 um, this name of a law. You know, or I want you to do 10,000 law, law, hella laws by tomorrow. And you're like, oh my. So then you're, you're sitting here and you're, and the point is, is to confront your ego, is con to, to confront your preference to not be doing that or, oh, I'm over it now. So I want to stop. No, you have to keep going. And it, what it does is it sort of turns you from the world to this inner realm. And there's nothing like it, but it comes with this, you know, it's interesting uh, the last thing I'll say about this is when you look at the prophets, peace be upon them, it's funny that they always went up to a mountain to get revelation. Um, I mm. went to Mount Sinai. It was like a three-hour walk. I'm like, man, Moses went up this mountain. Like, this is a <laughs> lot of a work, you know? Like, couldn't the revelation just come at the base <laughs> of the mountain, you know? But it's like, no, they had to walk up. And then they didn't stay there, you know? But they went up. And then they received, and then they came down back to the people. It's like this striving, this getting, this tilling of the soil um, to get ready for the seeds of revelation or for, for a lot, really. Like, it's like striving for that. So um, I don't know if that really answered your question, but um, well, yeah, I guess Yeah, I, 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 if anyone thinks, like some people, um, when we have the discussion, actually, um, the discussion about that people were saying that you know um books that emphasize that like you can look at the title of your book and think this book is just going to be lovey-dovey wishy-washy and tell me <laughs> to you know hearts and butterflies and talk about allah but as you know it tells you you need to obey allah as well they go together and that's i really liked that that i don't think anyone could read this book and get that get the wrong end of the stick as far as you're clearly saying the path you know, you love Allah and you obey Allah. That that's actually a sign of when we do love Allah, we we want to obey Allah and we want to obey sure. His messenger. Um, and the two have to go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Um, it's you know, like it's, it's a silly example, but if you love someone, you know, your your husband. If he says he loves you, he gives you roses. He does things. You know, if you love your husband, you, you make his, you know, a nice meal that he likes, the meal he likes, well, the one that you want to eat. You know, this, you do things. That's it. That's the way it is. Um, sure. And um, uh, so, yeah, an, another thing that I really liked about the book was that, you know, for all of us, I, I think I had this when I was um, a teenager that I, d I don't know if it exists. I can never say that word. I'm going to just say you have a quite bit of a crisis of faith or there's questions mm -hmm. you ask yourself that, you know, um, does Allah really exist? 
you know, or even does God really exist? You know, where did I come from? What's the purpose of my life? And I think everyone, if a person hasn't asked those questions, I actually think, um, I don't know if wrong is the word, but I think everyone should ask those questions. If we're in this, even if we were born in a Muslim family, asking those questions and then actively seeking the answers is so important to, you know, um, just mm-hmm. having yakin, having, you know, being sure that what I'm doing is correct. And what's nice is in your book, you do address those questions and give the answers. Um, and, and how long did it take you to find the answers to those questions? That's what I, like, you've written it much <laughs> very succinctly. Um, and you didn't waffle, which was really good. Like a person could read and say, okay, I get it. Um, how, so how did you, that's what did you, again, do you probably ask yourself those, ask those questions as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely sort of began with those questions and those are the questions, especially growing up, I constantly had. And I think that, you know, I was born Muslim and my parents really modeled being good Muslims look like what it looks like. And, and I'm forever grateful for that. I, I can't even imagine, you know, being in another family because Allah really blessed me and a lot of their teachings, you know, found their way into the book. And I, I told my mom, I said, when this book came out, I was like, this is a direct um, outcome of your prayers for me. Like, and, and every time I think about that, I'm on the brink of tears because I know that it's her prayers that saved me. And I, that's just what I believe, you know, maybe somebody else can say that that's not true, et cetera, whatever, but I, that's what feels very true to me and growing up you know in the cultures that we grow up in islam was you know shared in a very these are the things you do and if you don't do them there's going to be problems for you you know that's sort of in as extreme as you're going to hell if you don't pray right and so seeing that sort of freaked me out especially like i said i, I went to all american schools you know i didn't go to islamic school i was amongst i went to um, you know, just everything was, there's, I didn't go to one MSU in college, just so you have an idea of how okay. interested I was <laughs> in Islam. I like, I didn't even know what it stood for until like later in life, you know, I never went. And so even though my parents had instilled these ideas, I had found myself not praying for about 10 years. Um, and in that space of not praying and feeling like shame around these obligations, etc that's like when I had a like crisis of spirit and that's sort of where the journey begins. And I sort of talk about in the introduction, but the background is um, these ideas, although like I felt so much love in my life when it came to religion, I was taught religion, how my parents' parents had taught them and their parents' parents taught them, which was just obey. You know, they just, just hear obey. And there was no and in that. We hear and we obey. And I felt like I needed that and, that space of contemplation. Like, and I felt like I needed to like sit with the ideas. And so it wasn't really until my teachers came and they were like, before all of that, like, how do you feel? And I had never been asked that question when it came to faith. How do you feel? Like when someone says, you know, I, held, I struggle praying Fajr or all my prayers. My response isn't, let me tell you why you need to pray. And the number one, you know, um, identification of those in hell are those who don't pray. I don't bring those hadiths that are going to shame them out of it. I ask them how they're doing and what's going on and what they're looking for and then return through love. So I think those questions, even those questions that, about God's existence, I didn't even really be able to find or experience an answer until I felt like Allah loved me and that he loved me so much before I even had the ability to speak, to pray. And like, I want to taste that love. And so I show up to pray, to experience that love. The way I explain it is like, if the lid is on a bucket, no matter how much it rains, you won't experience, the bucket won't collect water you have to take your lid off and i think a lot of times as muslims like hey it's raining it's raining now go outside and it's like the person has a lid on so until we can address the lid there's no reason like to preach endlessly about it raining you know 
And so mm. I think that the lid comes off through love. And so that's this beginning. And so some people, when they hear that idea, they're like, no, but you need fear to make people obey. Mm. And, and my thing is always hope never derailed anyone. Mm. So like, in fact, you know, at least there's a root that comes from hopelessness. So if we push someone into hopelessness, like what happens, you know, where are they? Who are they with? They're not with Allah. And so I think these questions about God's existence and, and um, you know, is Allah going to punish? Like these questions we have that constantly come and go, I think the only way we can address them when someone asks is first to sit with, who do they think Allah is? Like, yes. what are their impressions of God? Because a lot of times, you know, there are 7 billion gods in a way because people have their own impression. And so I think it's returning that to the Quran, the Sunnah, you know, the sayings of Ahlul Bayt, the companions, like take it back to what, what is it really that Islam is saying? Because a lot of times we deter, we fall into the prey of um, our critique voices, the shaitan, the ego. And so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, it begins with love for me. And, and I don't think, you know, um, I think that the act of the intellect has such a strong part to play. Um, and I often think about the story of Noah and when he got in the ark and he asks his son to come and the son says, no, I'm going to go to the top of the mountain. And Noah replies with something or other of the mountaintop's not going to save you today. Hmm. Meaning your intellect which is, okay, I'm going to top the mountain. That makes sense, right? The, the flood, I mean, when has a flood overtaken Everest summit, you know? But it's like the intellect today in the presence of the divine, as amazing as it is to get you here, it won't survive. It's not what will save you. So I think at the, like it's this weird, um, you know, dance between intellect and heart, between feeling and thinking that, between the mind and the heart that like plays together in any of these questions um i find is most impactful mm -hmm. yeah it's I, I think it's interesting that um we can you know why does society put so much emphasis on just looking to science for these answers like they can explain the the you know um the details okay you know so all the stages of pregnancy and, and the unborn child but why, why, why were we created? They'll, they can never give us that answer. Um, mm. and, and there's that. And then, but like you said, if we, if we just take a one-sided, if we don't, you know, holistically take knowledge, uh, our knowledge of Islam. So, you know, for reading the Hadith, reading Quran, reading the example of the Sahaba, when we do that, then we'll get a good, well-rounded understanding with Islam. And then we can, when people ask us the question, these questions, we can give them a better answer. Like uh, only having recently started attending um, like Islamic classes, you realize how little you know. And, I, mm -hmm. and then I'm, I'm really careful when I answer things or people are, sometimes I'll just say, I, I don't know, I'm sorry, I can't, I, I don't, I, I can't answer that question because I've realized how little I know. Um, it's so but mm. it's, it doesn't you know the importance of us gaining knowledge I, you know only when you start doing it do you realize how important it is mm. um, and how helpful it is as well it changes it changes you um and uh, i also think something to add to that would be mm -hmm. that some questions people ask but they're not necessarily ready to receive and mm. me being a non-stop question asker like the best teachers that i've had put me back with myself to take it to allah mm -hmm. even if they have the answer so i also think that that there's wisdom it's so hard especially if you feel like maybe you have some like a version of an answer but in my experience it has been like i remember one time i was with a friend and uh the book had not come out yet but she was one of the readers uh, so she kind of knew what I was writing and stuff. And I was sitting and somebody was saying some wild things about Islam. And I sort of was like silently sitting and she kept hitting me like, help us say something, 
say something. And I'm just like, I don't know, like I didn't feel this guidance. And it was very, it was a conflicting moment to me at the time. Cause I was like, well, I should like, you know, stand up for my faith or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But when I sat with it, I was like, oh, you know, Allah doesn't need me to stand up for his faith, like his, like his way. Right. And so I was thinking to myself and just like reflecting, like, what was the struggle, you know? And then later I kind of came to this conclusion that, you know, words are really sacred, especially spoken words are very sacred. Breath is very sacred. Like Allah says, I put my breath into you. There's something sacred about that. And so we have to choose, like, even when how we speak to just anybody, like when we give our breath to them, like we have to know, like we have to be thoughtful when those words come out. And also who's receiving them. And I realized later that, you know, that person, for lack of a better word, didn't deserve my breath. Mm-hmm. And so, and if you, you know, like, if it's concrete, you don't water it. You know, like, it's like I pray for them. And so sometimes I'm not like saying that we should sit and start judging. This person deserves, this person doesn't. But in that moment, I felt guided. And so I trust that even when my mind was struggling with that, like I didn't want to not speak, you know? Um, So I think that's an important thing to say too, like knowing when to just be silent and pray. Mm. Because sometimes words don't necessarily help the situation. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's... um... That, that's very good advice. Um, so, so inshallah, so this book's only been out since um, February 2020. And um, inshallah, what are your plans? Are you just, um, are you quite happy to just, like you, you mainly, I know through, through, through the Instagram page that um, people can find out about the book that way. Are you planning on doing anything else with the book? Like to my mind, I had thought, a course, some kind of online course. I'm, I can imagine people would be interested in that, but what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so I thought about something like a course. Um, I, I've, I've just been really sitting with how to serve people as they're reading it more than anything. Like I've really been thinking about that. How do you, cause basically with all these book clubs going around, like I've been trying to jump on the Zooms just to learn from people, like how they're experiencing the material or what ideas they have or what they feel they need more of. Um, And just being able also just be grateful that that they felt like, you know, this is a topic that they'd like want to read about and to know like, this is for a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I was, my mom was reading the book the other day and she's like, I don't even recognize some passages as you No, like, And I was like really grateful for that. Like, I was like, you're right, it's not me. See, like, that's where the credit belongs, like a lot. Cause a lot of times, you know, people put this credit on me and I'm like, these are not my, it's not like I sat and I thought all this up, you know? So I, I think like a course would be nice if I could find a way or if I feel guided in a way that would be very supportive to people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like one idea, but really right now my focus is getting the book in, in the hands of everybody who wants it. And what I mean by that is like, for example, Indonesia doesn't have access at all to the book in a physical form. Um, oh. and I like worked in Indonesia, like I have like a very strong, um, connection to that country. I just love it. I, it's one of my favorite countries. It's a huge, you know, place, lots of people and they've, been asking but I've really been struggling um to get the book to them like recently got published in Pakistan have a printer in India but it was really hard because and when I would ask mentors or bookstore owners they're like oh those countries are the worst and I'm like Ooh. why hmm. and they didn't mean like the country or the people they just meant the system of printing is really hard because it's you make no money like pretty much you make oh. so little off that um off that industry, I guess, because of the currency difference. You know, books in Pakistan that's selling is $5 because it's cheap, cheap to print. And also people can't afford to pay $15, $16. Mm-hmm. The price is like that in America and Europe because it costs so much more to print it here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember thinking like, I don't care. Like I really don't care because even if someone was like, ooh, you can have 10,000 books in this country and guess what? You don't get paid. I'd be like, great. Cause I just really want that message to get to them, but I haven't 
that like I've struggled to find even those kinds of options. You know, like I'm not really negotiating on any contracts with those countries. It doesn't matter to me. I just want it there. So that's my first goal. And it's something I've, and obviously in COVID-19, it becomes very hard because people aren't shipping and even the countries that have it, they don't get the book. And so it's been like, um, interesting of a struggle. So, but I know that my focus has been that. And then my second focus is to do an audio book. Oh, yes. Um, yes, of course. And I, more than anything, I've had people message me like, my sister has MS. She can't read your book, but she wants to. So I read it to her out loud, but would you consider, or my father is blind. Like I've had these messages. I'm like, man, I really need to get in the studio. And again, there's those people saying, that's not worth the money. You know how much you're going to spend? Like, and so for me, I'm just, I don't really care. Like if you, if I find an option to get it to somebody, then that's like, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. And, and I think one of the things that I, I want to say about that is, I, when I visited prison and like was sitting with the Muslim brothers, I knew like they, like I knew I wanted to get the book to them. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, and I knew instantly when I was like 5,000 copies, but how can I do that? So that's on my mind too. Like these are to me like worthwhile endeavors. Mm-hmm. And I don't like, it doesn't really matter. Like when the book sell, like it's selling like crazy, but it's really positive. I'm like, okay, great. I'm closer to my goal. Like I'm doing this other thing, you know, because it doesn't, because I'm not doing this. This isn't like, um, you know, like I, my life. So it's, it, I just want it for lack of a better word, just like accessible, like you said from the beginning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. That's uh, well, inshallah, I'll be doing the one. I'm, uh, all the listeners, could you please do the other, um, tell those goals that you've got. I think they're so good. It's so f- interesting to hear. Um, you know, those goals are not like, um, you know, a publisher, they'd be like, no, these, those are rubbish goals. <laughs> you know, they're not going to make any money. But alhamdulillah, mashallah, they, they're excellent goals uh, from, from an Islamic perspective. Um, well, however, I could speak to you seriously. I could speak to you all day, but I know you've got life. <laughs> you've got things to do. <laughs> and uh, so, jazakallah khair, sincerely, for taking the time. And again, I'd just like to thank you for writing the book. And may Allah, you know, accept your efforts and um, reward you abundantly, inshallah. I just, I wanted to take a moment, if you don't mind, just, just, just to do a prayer. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you so much to, to you and your podcast for having me on. I know you're very busy and, and with your life and I'm just really grateful. I'm really looking forward to the book that you guys are working on and the topics are incredible like I was intimidated by by them I I, th- I think it's going to be wonderful and I'm just really looking forward to whenever that comes out to share it also on my page inshallah but oh, okay. I just wanted to end with like a, a short prayer if, if you don't mind mm-hmm. Ya Allah, I pray for all the people of the world who are suffering I pray for all those who feel alone Allah I pray that you open their hearts to experience your love and your presence with them always. Allah, I pray for all the people who are living in oppressed countries or in war-torn countries, in Syria, in Yemen, in different places of Africa, all over the world, Rohingya Muslims, Uyghur Muslims, all people in the world who are suffering, regardless of race and religion, Allah, we pray that you become their refuge. Allah, I pray for all the people who will listen to this podcast and all the people who would never come this po- come across this podcast, I pray, Allah, that you, you bless them and that you walk them on the path of love. Allah, I pray for our families, our friends, children. Allah, I pray that you guide us all. I pray that you help us to be merciful and to take the Prophet, peace be upon him, as our role model and to walk on the path of mercy and compassion for all of the days that we live. In your beautiful names we pray. Amen. Amen. This episode is brought to you by farhatameen.com, a website that specializes in Islamic stickers, Muslim activity books, as well as Ramadan and e-decorations. Wholesale and reseller inquiries are also welcome. So visit farhatameen.com today. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 